0: Hello, and welcome to the fifth episode of A Kilo of String, my podcast series about what life is really like in Greece, at least from the point of view of one British expat, me. In my last podcast, I talked quite a lot about the Greek general election of the 6th of May and its aftermath. As everyone knows by now, no single party gained an overall majority, and none of the parties could find another party who wanted to form a coalition with them. This is beginning to sound like the contract scene from the Marx Brothers A Night at the Opera, when Groucho says, the first part of the party of the first part shall be known in this contract as the first part of the party of the first part. This is also the scene that ends with Groucho explaining to Chico that if any parties to the contract are found to be of unsound mind, the entire agreement is nullified. That's what they call a sanity clause. And Chico says, "Eh, hey, you can't fool me. There ain't no sanity clause. Anyway, back to the Greek political situation, and as you're no doubt aware by now, there'll be another general election on the 17th of June. This is actually rather bad timing, as we have to go to a very important wedding on Keflonia on the 15th, and we're planning to spend a couple of days on the island afterwards. But because of the election, it'll be chaos on the ferries since... For the benefit of non-Greeks who won't know this, people have to return to their hometowns and villages in order to vote, so I expect there'll be a fair few going to and from Kefalonia around that date. Incidentally, Kefalonia is the Greek pronunciation and Kefalonia is the English, much like the correct Spanish pronunciation of Ibiza as opposed to the English Ibiza. Still, I suppose I shouldn't put a bit of personal travel inconvenience before what could well turn out to be a defining moment, not only in the history of Greece, but also of Europe and possibly the entire world. That's what all the political and economic pundits keep telling us anyway, at great length and at ever-increasing volumes, especially when they all start shouting their conflicting opinions at once. The main issue which has grabbed the attention of the world's media is whether or not Greece will opt out of the Euro, or even be forcibly kicked out of the Eurozone. It's far too early for the Panto season, but the so-called debate pretty much boils down to, oh yes they will, versus, oh no they won't. Then you get the inevitable mangling of language with words, and I use the term loosely, such as Grexit, which apparently means Greek exit, i.e. from the Eurozone and more recently the guro, which is some bright spark's idea for the name of a new Greek currency. What's coming next? I'd certainly put a few guros on Greconomics popping up in the not-too-distant future. I might even have a flutter on grolitics, although I might have to back that each way as I'm not sure it'll catch on, given that Groly is slang for a certain green slimy substance which emanates from one or more nostrils otherwise known as snot. Greek politics? Grolytics? Hmm, make of that what you will. If the GR prefix really takes off, you could end up with all kinds of confusion. For instance, people couldn't be certain whether words such as gremlin were to be taken as red and simply meant something annoying which messes up machinery, or spend hours wading through dictionaries trying to find out what the hell a Greek emlin was. Okay, so maybe that's not such a good example. But what about grapple, or grant, or grace? I'll leave you to contemplate the inherent dangers that misinterpreting the word grass might lead to. As well as mangling language while they wait for Greek election to the rematch, the non-Greek media and politicians are having a field day trying to scare the pants off Greece's electorate, in a largely futile attempt to influence them to vote one way or another, although it has to be said that this is mostly one way rather than another, and that way is against the left-wing Syriza. I say futile because their intended interference shows a complete lack of understanding of the mentality of most Greek people. If there's one thing I've learned during the eight years I've lived in Greece, it's that, Greeks do not like being told what to do. One of the most important dates in the Greek calendar, the 28th of October, even celebrates saying the word no. To be fair, though, this originates from the 28th of October, 1940, when Mussolini demanded free access into Greece for his troops, and the Greeks just said, "ochi," no. Sure, Greek people like nothing better than to give advice to each other, advice which is generally completely ignored, and we ourselves have frequently been subjected to a whole range of suggestions and recommendations about whatever it is we happen to be doing at the time, nearly all of which begin with the ominous-sounding Greek version of Harry Enfield's You don't want to do it like that. On the very first day we moved into our place, a passing local dropped by to say hello, and then immediately pointed to the nearest of our olive trees and told us it desperately needed pruning. And not just that one either. All 410 of them should have been done weeks ago. So then Pavlos, and that was the guy's name, magically produces a pruning saw from somewhere about his person, much like a conjurer pulling a bunch of flowers out of his sleeve, and sets about demonstrating the correct way to prune an olive tree. A couple of trees later, we were pretty sure we'd got the hang of it, and Pavlos left us to it. After about three hours, we'd successfully pruned one and a half trees, and it was at this point that father and son farmer duo, Thanasis and Yorgos, called in to introduce themselves. But the moment the exchange of names and the Kalorisikos were out of the way, Yorgos, the son, points to the tree we're currently working on, and the following conversation ensues. Well, I say conversation, but since our Greek was little more than rudimentary at the time, and Yorgos and Thanasius spoke no English whatsoever, and also spoke very quickly and at the same time, it was more like a mime show with mutually incomprehensible babbling. But this was the gist of it. What are you doing? says Yorgos. Um, pruning the olive trees? But they should have been done weeks ago. Yes, we know. And that's when we first became acquainted with the Greek version of you don't want to do it like that. But that's how Pavlos told us to do it, I said. Pavlos? Pah, the man's an idiot. He sells second-hand tractors. What does that malacca know about pruning olive trees? So then he grabs my pruning saw and clambers up into the nearest tree that hadn't yet been seriously maimed by our misguided efforts, lopping branches this way and that with jaw-droppingly impressive speed and agility, totally ignoring his father's comments that you shouldn't have taken that one out and why didn't you cut that one? To be honest, Yorgos's pruning method didn't seem much unlike Pavlos's, but there were a few subtle differences which we decided we ought to try and adopt ourselves. But a couple of trees later, and yet another local farmer called in. You should have pruned those weeks ago. Yes, we know. You don't want to do it like that. As I recall, I think we had about eight different farmers telling us how to prune an olive tree in the space of two days, each one saying that the previous demonstrator of the sacred art of olive pruning was a complete idiot and didn't know shit from butter, or whatever the Greek equivalent is. But back to my point about Greek people not liking being told what to do. Almost all laws and regulations are considered to be gross infringements of the individual's right to do whatever he or she damn well pleases. Nor is the Greek government itself immune from this kind of attitude with successive administrations regularly flouting many of the rules and regulations handed down by the European Union. Take the ban on smoking in enclosed public places, for example, which was introduced in Greece in September 2010. For the first three or four months, this was enforced without much enthusiasm by the authorities, and a few Taverna owners were fined for allowing customers to light up on their premises. Since then, however, it's as if the ban on smoking was purely a figment of everyone's imagination, because it seemed to vanish almost overnight in, well, a puff of smoke. Nowadays, it's back to business as usual, with people getting their nicotine fixes pretty much anywhere they like, including most shops and even the surgery of the local vet. As a shamefaced smoker myself, I don't really have a problem with this, although I must say, I would wholeheartedly back any legislation which seriously discourage people from having a lit cigarette in one hand while using the other to fill their car with petrol, especially when I'm next in the queue and well within the potential blast range. Motorcyclists wearing crash helmets, or rather not wearing them, is another example. Although more recently most riders of the bigger bikes at least do seem to comply with this particular law, it wasn't at all uncommon when we first moved to Greece to see blokes hurtle past you on bikes with only marginally less power than a NASA space rocket, wearing nothing more than t shirts, shorts, and flip flops, and sometimes not even the t shirts. It was only after witnessing many other examples of the Greek love affair with ignoring all things regulatory. I could almost imagine Greek people wading through the safety warnings which fill more than three quarters of the manuals for most electrical appliances these days, just so they knew what they had to disobey. Effie, it says here that you're not supposed to immerse this toaster in water. Well, sod that for a game of soldiers. Get that bloody bath running. I began to develop a theory that if the authorities really did want to enforce some law or other, a bit of reverse psychology would almost certainly do the trick. Something along the lines of, ''The wearing of crash helmets whilst riding a motorcycle is strictly forbidden.'' ''You what? Think you lot can tell me what I can and can't do, eh?'' ''Effie, fetch me that bike helmet.'' ''Well, it's a theory. And to get back to somewhere near where I started,'' It's a theory that the various Merkles, Camerons and Murdochite media types could do well to adopt if they're serious about trying to influence the way Greek people vote in the next election. On second thoughts, scrub that. Why should I give advice to that bunch of interfering busybodies? I think bugger off and mind your own damn business would be far more appropriate. And on that note, I'll leave you with this quote which is usually attributed to Mark Twain. If voting made any difference, they wouldn't let us do it. I suppose we'll just have to wait and see. Thanks for listening, and until next time, cheers. Yassas genastikala.